Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. January 6th, new video sparks even more debate on it. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe. Give us a rating. Share it with a friend. You can email us with your... Well, send your complaints to Billy, but you can email us all your positive comments to quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. And uh, joining me now, as always, to get through the news of the Cray, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons phillips What's up, fellas? Happy Wednesday to you. What's going on? It is a happy Wednesday. We always say to send the complaints to Billy. So if you have anything really nice to say, my email is, um, you can find it on social media. And you can email me there. <laughs> so all you the seem nice really comments. convinced that you I wanted those emails. Is. You're like... You well, can I send them to the me, nice but... Emails, but I don't want to give my email because then if yeah. I give my email, then they might send me the mean ones too. And I'd rather <laughs> they just go directly to Billy. Yeah, <laughs> my email is, and then rethinking it. Just, it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we got a lot coming up on the podcast today, uh, including on the main thing, an interview uh, with Max Eric, who is known for his role in The Young and the Restless. But Trey, he's got a new movie out. And an interesting story behind it, too. Yeah, he has a really cool story, a parallel story. of So it's a Christian movie, and it's about this person's faith and, and transformation. And the actor had a transformation of his own during the filmmaking process. So we'll talk to him about that. Yeah, and Billy, you've got the details on that teenager from Canada. Yeah, it's a crazy story. This teenager who was allegedly suspended and arrested for speaking out against the transgender bathroom policy. Really crazy. And a, really, honestly, it's par for the course these days, but it's this one's even above and beyond the normal chaos that's going on. So we'll get into the details on those stories and more. We're going to start here with the news in 90 seconds. And those two U.S. citizens, uh, well, it was four uh, that we mentioned on the podcast yesterday that had been missing since their violent abduction last week in the northern Mexican border city of Matamoros. They, two of them have been found dead and two others are alive, according to the state's governor over there. The FBI had reported on Sunday that it was searching with Mexican authorities for these missing Americans. A relative of one of them said on Monday that they'd traveled together from South Carolina to get a tummy tuck from a doctor down there. And so um, obviously a terrible end there, but still not fully out of the, out of the woods yet for the other two. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu sharply criticized remarks by the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, who suggested that a potential Israeli strike on Iran's nuclear facilities would be, quote-unquote, illegal. Netanyahu responded by saying they had a right to defend themselves and that, quote, 2,500 years ago, an enemy arose in Persia who sought to destroy the Jews, talking about the story of Esther. And Fox News' Tucker Carlson released footage of the events of January 6th, and Carlson had gained access to unlimited amounts of this footage, and he released some clips this week that appear to show one of the main protesters being led around the Capitol by police. They don't even try to stop him. This has led to a whole wide range of responses to what actually happened on January 6th. Those are just... Some of today's top headlines, you can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. So that January 6th footage, guys, it's it's interesting because some had accused Democrats during all of the trials that were going on there about January 6th, calling it an insurrection. They were saying that 
while it wasn't good that what what a lot of people did smashing things to get in there, there's also a lot of questions. And so Tucker Carlson gets his hands on all this footage and now he's releasing some of it. And the one I thought was particularly head scratching was the guy, the one guy that was in the headlines, the one wearing the horns. And they were like, how did he get in there? And he was smashing in there. Well, the, the security cameras just show him being led around by police. There's, there's walking him in there and opening doors for him and leading him back to the, uh, to the chamber. I, I don't understand that kind of stuff just makes you go. What, what was going on? Well, I think at the end of the day, this was during a time in America where you weren't allowed to ask any questions about anything. You yeah. had to take, you know, it was like whether it was COVID or whatever, you took you took the narrative and you went with it and that was what it was. But I think at the least right now, there need to be explanations. And they're very well, maybe very good explanations for all of these things, right? But now you have clips, you have a lack of context, you have even more questions than you had before. So to me, it seems like people need to just come forward discuss it and put the information out there so that people really do understand not through a partisan lens, but through reality, what actually happened that day. Well, this is exactly what has been happening with every issue since COVID, right? It's what happened with, um, with Fauci. If we give them all of the information about masks, then the American people are not smart enough to just do the right thing. So we need to lie to them or withhold information from them in order for them to do the right thing. And then we see what happens is it erodes trust, right? You have no trust at all uh, in our officials, whether it be health officials or if it's media personalities. So often the media does the same thing, right? Well, we this is what actually happened, but some of the information might lead people to think other things. So because the American people aren't smart enough, we need to withhold other footage and just share footage that's favorable to our opinion and our view of the situation. That Their view of the situation may very well be accurate. Nobody really knows. Uh, but their decision to withhold so much information because it didn't fit their narrative expressly has led to such an erosion of trust. And I think we're just seeing it across the board with everything. That's the issue is just the gatekeepers need to be honest with what they have rather than trying to fit it into a box that's clean and, and easy. Yeah. And the challenges we face on that is so many in the media are quick to adopt whatever talking points Democrats put out there, right? Uh, most of the media. Now, you can argue there are other outlets that are more conservative-leaning, conservative, conservative but there are more that are just left-leaning for whatever reason. And so it was insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. Like, that's what the main line was. And you're right. Like, you you just, it was a time where you, and it still is a time where hopefully we're coming out of that, where you just couldn't question it. Well, it's an insurrection. You can't say anything or, or else you, you are pro-insurrection. And so, yeah. and you, but then you watch these clips and you wonder, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there, maybe there is a little more uh, uncertainty as to what actually happened. Maybe it's a little more complicated than what they're trying to box it up in this neat little, little bow and, and pin well, the actions the of a guy wearing horns on his head uh, to a whole movement. I mean, it, the whole thing is just, but the, I think the key Trey is that you hit the nail on the head with the trust. You just can't trust what's being said in the media, what you're being told. It just well, really yeah. feels like you're getting the talking points. 
Well, I think, and that's the problem with all of this, right? It's, it's people are really struggling to figure out who can you trust, what information can you trust. If you go to CNN.com and FoxNews.com, you're getting two totally different stories yep. about the same event, and those are just examples. I'm not, you know, I'm just giving two diametrically opposed examples. But it is interesting, you know, U.S. Capitol Police Chief came out um, on Tuesday, and he was ripping Fox News and Tucker Carlson, saying they never reached out to the police department. You know, they cherry picked the footage. So now you have another perspective. Yeah. You know, now, of course, you could argue the police are covering for themselves. I mean, you can go on and on with this, but it is interesting. There's this whole other side now. They're saying that that footage was cherry picked, too. So it's like it, it is very frustrating. And again, I think instead of having these partisan witch hunts on either side, that really at this point, people should just sit down and have a real car. I know I'm being idealistic here, but a real conversation about what happened and what those details are. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important, too, for there to be an acknowledgement that for better or for worse, the media and news organizations are businesses, right? And to an extent, unfortunately, cable news in particular is an entertainment industry. Um, so they're trying to sell a narrative, whether it be a conservative one or a liberal one. They're always trying to sell a narrative. Um, that's just that's just the, the way that it is. And when it comes right down to it, I think most things are much more complicated than mm-hmm. we can fit into a five-minute package that airs on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. That's just the reality. It's not fun, but it's the way it is. Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking. You guys are talking me into right now. Yesterday, we talked about AI and it it taking everything over. Maybe we just need to hand the news over to AI. <laughs> just just let them. Here we'll input. Here are the details of what happened, and then you just you just go ahead and write the story. Okay, that probably well, won't end well. The robots told me <laughs> the robot. <laughs> These robots. You can't trust them. And that's actually probably true. But uh, anyway. Leftist robots. Yes, I'm joking. I don't really want AI news. But uh, but when I watch the news, sometimes I think there's got to be <laughs> there's got to be a better way. But uh, AI is probably not it. Anyway, on to our next story here now. And a teenager from Canada is at the center of headlines after he was allegedly expelled and arrested after taking a strong stance against his school's transgender bathroom policy and openly sharing his biblical beliefs on that issue. So what are the details here? What's going on? So this is 16-year-old Josh Alexander. He's a born-again Christian who attends St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Ontario, Canada. And he started having problems, according to his account, with his school when he started speaking out about the transgender issue last fall. It was November, um, and he was organizing a protest because essentially what happened was there was a bathroom policy put in place like we've seen many other places. And, you know, he, he wanted to speak out on it. He had concerns about it. And when he did that, he started clashing with the school and with officials at the school. And this basically led to a very complicated scenario of suspensions and him not being able to attend school over this. At one point, he claimed he was told that he needed to actually refrain from attending classes where transgender students were because they were offended by things he had said in the class about his traditional view, um, biblical view on, on these morals and values. So it's really a bizarre story. He's actually in the process right now of fighting back against those suspensions and punishments. What was the main reason he wanted to speak out? Well, like I said, he felt compelled, but the reason he felt compelled was he told us that there were women, young women in the school, teenagers who felt uncomfortable. They were afraid to speak out. They were afraid to use the bathrooms. And so he decided that he was going to speak out against it. You know, I should add 
this is only one side of the story. We haven't heard, um, as far as I can tell, we haven't heard from the Catholic high school on this. And, you know, Josh Alexander, he's he's also been vocal on other issues, right? So he came into this having been vocal during COVID. This is an, a teenager who is an activist. He goes out there, he speaks his mind. But in this case, he felt it was important to speak up for the young women who were too afraid to to do the same. And now you can imagine with what's going on, I'm sure people are even more worried <laughs> to speak up and afraid to speak up. Yeah. And uh, Canada, man, really, really have has some issues here. I mean, you can see the difference when there's, when there, I mean, we have trouble here even with the constitution, but with a constitution that enshrines free speech without one, you can see a lot of, a lot of issues over there in Canada, but what's he uh, hoping happens next? Well, before I even go there, I, I want to mention, because he explained this, it was it's a very complicated series of events. He was permanently banned for the remainder of the year, he said. Um, he had two suspensions, two exclusions, and then a trespassing notice, because at one mm. point he went back to school. Um, and that's when it, the alleged arrest happened. He was actually arrested for going back to school <laughs> when apparently he wasn't supposed to. Um, but he's hoping to fight back on this. And I asked him, would you go back? If you were invited back to the school, you know, and this all went away, would you go back? And so he seemed to be open to that. But I think what he's hoping to do is bring awareness to what is going on in schools right now. He said, quote, the indoctrination level is so high right now. I wouldn't even call it an education system anymore. It's an indoctrination mm. system. So complicated story, but we've got the full details. You can see them over at Faithwire and CBN. Yes, yeah, certainly. And it's always good to see somebody taking a stand. It's, it's way easier said than done to hold to your faith when you know there's going to be consequences for it. And so, and especially when you're a teenager, I mean, all of us who've gone through high school remember the peer pressure and the levels of uh, just, uh, I don't know, to conform. It's just, it's you can feel it. It's just very much all around you ever present. And so for him to be able to do that and, and stay uh, true to his faith is Great. But I mean, I worry about our school system here, too. That's a great way he put it about indoctrination system rather than education system. It really feels like that. And more and more people are you're seeing this outburst, guys, of uh, education meetings, you know, at the school boards. People are out there talking. At what point do people just say enough is enough? I'm, I'm going to private school. I'm going to homeschool. I'm doing something else instead of begging them to change, because at some point, you're just going to realize they're not going to change. I mean, that's the way it seems anyway. Yeah. I mean, what is it now? I think the numbers are like 5 million as of last year. Um, 5 million families are now homeschooling their children, which is, a, I mean, a huge increase from what it was before then. Uh, we covered that a lot at CBN. So I think we're seeing that as people are walking away from yeah. public schools and they they were teaching their kids at home, like through with public school curriculums. And they saw like, Oh, this is the kind of content that my kids are seeing. So I can do a better job myself than, than this. So I'm going to start homeschooling or starting to send their kids into private schools. I think, you know, the parents are, are exploring their options or seeing maybe that they have more options um, than they thought before. But again, I think a lot of this goes back to something we've talked about a whole lot, which is we've moved the goalposts so much. So now mm. the the left-leaning talking point is now talked about as if that's the, that's the objective, like that's the middle ground. Uh, and then if you go to the right, um, then you're like an extremist, but everything else is kind of just fair, fair game, middle ground type stuff. And that's obviously not the case. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to, this is a topic we need to dig into more too, because we just spent a fair amount of time and maybe we'll, we'll have some people on for, for a main thing 
uh, but talking with parents who are Christians who have kept their kids in public school to get a yeah. sense of why. And so that yeah. it's actually really, and it's an interesting conversation, but it becomes harder to make the argument as time goes on and you see these things happen, right? Well, and, and there's a big argue, there's a big debate happening now for vouchers and trying to give parents more resources and their tax dollars that they're spending because mm-hmm. everyone just assumed previously you're well, you're just going to go to the public school so that's where your tax dollars are going to go but now people are trying to get choices in that and there's pushback from the unions and everything else and so that's another debate we should be watching as well because if people have extra few thousand dollars every year to put towards sending their kids somewhere else will those numbers change even more um, that's what I yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking is that's that ends up being a barrier to entry so often for families, particularly if you have more kids, is mm-hmm. not only do I now have to pay for private school tuition or for all of the curriculum and resources to homeschool, I also have to continue paying the taxes for public schooling that I'm no longer benefiting from. So, uh, yeah, I, I, for years that's been an argument, but I think it's picking up steam uh, for yeah, sure. Indeed. Yeah, and not to open another topic, but <laughs> if you're in a rural area, you may have no private schools, and you so you yeah, may be stuck true. between you may be stuck between an option of homeschool, which you can't do because of finances, or public school, right? So then you're really yeah. that's where you really have to look at the public school system and say what can be done, right, in those communities to fix it yeah. because you don't really have a lot of options. Yep. Indeed. All right. Well, a lot to, lot to chew on there. And uh, we'll certainly be covering all those stories and the related ones as well in the future on cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Make sure to keep an eye out for them. We're going to move to the main thing now. And Max Eric, known for his role in The Young and the Restless, starring in a new faith-based movie called Southern Gospel. He joined Trey to talk about the film and his own incredible journey to faith in Christ for today's main thing. Max, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Amazing. How are you doing? I'm good. Look, I appreciate you taking a few minutes. So you know, most people will know you from The Young and the Restless. So that's where you have, have had a lot of FaceTime on screen. But you're also starring in a new movie uh, called Southern Gospel that's actually releasing this Friday, uh, March 10th. Uh, obviously a faith-based film. Tell us how you got plugged in with this movie. A lot of the filming took place during COVID, if I have my facts right. Yeah, it did. It was in 2020 and I got this script. And I remember, you know, we I, I see a solid amount of scripts um, quite frequently. And I do have to say from the moment I read this script, I felt so connected with this character and was like, this role is mine, got to do whatever I want to do. And there was like a whole process, uh, like weeks of callbacks, director sessions, chemistry reads, because it's a pretty demanding role. So I think they really wanted to, you know, see if I was up for the job. Yeah. And you know, it's about a 1960s rock and roll uh, artist, Samuel Allen. He was in an accident, ended up becoming a believer, became a preacher. I don't want to give away the whole story, but it's a really complex story with a lot of twists and turns in it. And obviously Christianity is a central element. Tell us a little bit about some of that for you, the preparation process and, and learning some of his story, but also learning uh, you know, about faith generally. What was that like for you? Yeah, I'd say my faith increased immensely while preparing for this role um i think just to get in the headspace i was reading the bible so much and 
Um, I, I'd say that I definitely have grown so much as a person just from the experience. And I'd say that, you know, the movie is is one that has had probably the most profound impact on my life um, of any project I've ever done. It was, in a very, it, was, it was done during a very specific time in my life, and and I, I'm very grateful that I had that movie there. Yeah. You know, tell me a little bit about that, because you mentioned when you first saw the script that it was impactful to you, that you knew that it was something you wanted to be involved in. And then you say, going through the process, that it's the most impactful of any project you've done to date. Why do you think that is? It's interesting. I don't think it's just because it's music based because I love music. I make music. And so I always love a project that feels like it has organic original music in there. But I'd say there was something about just the character arc and about the the central theme of the story. You know, while it has a faith based quality, I don't think it's cheesy. I think it really really just showcases humanity and um, real things that people go through and how how you choose to um, learn and grow from that. Mm. You know, I read in one interview uh, that you did talking about this movie uh, that your character, Samuel Allen, is, is actually baptized in the movie. Uh, but then you were actually as the actor that, you know, your real person was was yeah. baptized. Tell me a little bit about those parallel experiences happening. Yeah. So on the day of filming, I actually decided to get actually baptized as well for many reasons. Um, one, my faith was increased so much. Two, I was personally going through um some some things I don't know if you had known I I uh, during quarantine got in a in a relationship and got engaged really quick with uh, someone I really respect Demi Lovato and I'd say we we had our breakup that I I think it was that morning mm-hmm. and um, it was very public and people were very intrusive about it. And I just felt like I needed the protection of God and Jesus during that time. And I'd say that that was one of the re- one of the many reasons why I did. Mm. You know, I want to ask uh, about just going through a public issue, uh, like going through a breakup. That's difficult whether you're well-known or not well-known. But of course, when you're a celebrity, you're dealing not only with the emotional trauma and difficulty of, of whatever you might be going through, but then you're also dealing with, like you said, people who are trying to intrude on on your privacy or people who maybe don't even understand the the dynamic there. What is that like and how do you process that as someone who's in the public eye? Well, yeah, that was definitely the first time I had encountered something like that. And I'd say I really leaned on my family and my immediate family and my closest friends. Um, I will say it was very weird to to uh, turn on the news and be watching stories that didn't even have truth behind them and seeing going to a grocery store I remember while I was filming and seeing like this like us magazine kind of thing with us on the cover and just saying like people really uh people really 
gave into the drama of it. So I'd say um, something that I I definitely uh, leaned on was my faith, which is why I'm saying that this movie was super important. I don't think that things happen like just out of nowhere. I do think there's a reason why. And I do think that because I got to work on this project and I have a character that's overcoming so many things and has an emotional arc, I was able to use that for the film, actually. You know, you uh, going through what you went through and then also playing this character in both your real life and in this this fictional this movie, uh, which is based on on true events, but it's obviously is a, a dramatization of of events. A central theme in both your life and the this character's life is redemption, right? And and finding purpose and value in the things that we go through and the experiences that we have. And I think that's something that our culture so desperately needs, uh, particularly with cancel culture being, you know, we write somebody off so quickly uh, for any number of things. So why do you think it's important to have these kinds of of stories in the midst of this divisive culture we're in? Yeah, it's interesting um, timing that we're in right now where people are so quick to want to cancel someone when in reality, without even doing fact-based checks, you know, um, like there was no reason for like there to be any any sort of um, negative uh, thoughts or words or headlines faced my way. I don't I don't feel like I needed redemption if anything i just needed some privacy during that time i think that um you know this movie coming out during that time hopefully gives people a bit of uh, compassion towards others and realizing that um you know obviously like it's so fun for people when they're going through their own stuff to really want to villainize someone um, and and pin people against each other and make it like this this dog eat dog kind of thing. When the truth is that when we band together, it's it's might sound cliche, but we really are stronger. You know, I I go online and. Twitter I can't even really open because I see so much so much um hatred and so much um validity like I, I'd say like even like I don't know if you've seen like this whole like Selena Gomez Hilly Bieber stuff right now that is like, like swarming your TikTok and Twitter and it's just like um yeah people people really get off on it so i really i really do hope that a film like this softens people's hearts a bit you know and kind of just like kind of gives us more more of a sense of peace inwardly and when we have that sense of peace inwardly i think it 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 transmutes outwardly as well yeah you know i think that's so true is 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 when projects like these show us other people's humanity, like someone we might not be able to relate to uh, experientially, but it reveals to us, look, they're just people going through really difficult things uh, and yeah. they're, they're doing the best with whatever hand they've been dealt. So I think um, stories like this are so critical. And my last question for you, Max, is just, is this something you'd be interested in continuing to do? Do these uplifting faith inspired kind of films? 
I would love to. I, I think that the one of the really beautiful things about um, cinema and music and art forms is that it really shapes society and it really shifts society. So I would definitely like to be one of those artists that partakes in projects that are um, stand for something good and, you know, open the minds and open the hearts of people. So I would definitely be interested in, in more projects like this. Well, Max, Eric, thank you so much for taking a few minutes and congratulations on the film. It'll be out Friday, March 10th. Thank you so much. Super excited. All right, Trey, thanks for that interview there. Always great to hear somebody's testimony, how they came to know Christ and how they were saved. I, I always love that. I'm, I mean, me personally, that's that's edifying for my soul to hear how God is working in the lives of other people. So um, great, to, great to hear that story. And that leaves us with time now for one last thing. So we're going to look at Psalm 86.5. It says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I've just been I've just been thinking this week about how gracious God is with us, right? That he's so patient and he's so his love is so enduring that uh, that there's nothing that we can do except for deny him altogether um, that separates us from him, right? He's always there waiting for us to come back to him uh, as the Holy Spirit calls us. So uh, just, just a great reminder, I think. We're going through the Old testament now guys and you, know, you look at how many times israelites mess up so many times it's, it's just over and over and over again they're worshiping idols god is just so patient with them and he's true to his promise not to just completely utterly destroy his people and to yet keep that remnant and keep it going but he's always so slow to anger i think that's just something we should be extremely grateful for considering how prone we are to sin just like what you were saying trey knowing how patient god is with us it should actually implore us to be patient with other people in mm -hmm. our lives you know, yes. and, to, and to love our enemies and all of those things we know we need to do. But when we focus on what God's done for us, it helps us, uh, I think, refocus in those areas. All right. It's a good place to end it here on this Wednesday edition of the podcast. Don't forget, get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. News from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless you then.